0: And welcome to the One Broke Actress Podcast. The One Broke Actress Podcast. The The One One Broke Broke Actress Actress Podcast. Podcast. This is the podcast giving you an honest account of actor life. I mean, can we just be honest for a second? Plus a few lessons I learned in the process. This is what I'm saying. Nobody knows anything. I'm your host, Sam Valentine. Happy Sunday, guys. Welcome to this week's episode of the One Broke Actress Podcast. If you're listening to this on Monday, it's my birthday. For my birthday, do you know what you can get me? A review of this podcast. <laughs> Not joking. Um okay. We're gonna get right into it because I am so excited about today's guest. I fangirled a little on this one because she has been someone who, ever since I heard her podcast, I knew I wanted to have on mine. A little bit of backstory. I didn't listen to actor podcasts for a long time because I didn't want them to influence how I did this one. But one day, about two years ago, I just said fuck it and I did a big search and I came across several and the one that stuck out to me was that one audition. And to be able to have Alicia on... One Broke Actress is quite a dream. Uh, She is a doll. You guys are going to love her. If you don't know, yes, she hosts that podcast. She's also a wife. She's a mother. She's a hardworking actress. She is very, very spiritual. She's very in tune with the world around her. She is so cool. And she's going to drop some major knowledge on us today. Maybe you saw her in Ballers or True Detective or Life Sentence or The Purge, or you're going to catch her in the new upcoming uh, streaming show, hashtag free. Sean. She's got a lot going on and she's going to share a lot of her day-to-day with us on the podcast today. We get into her life as an actress, obviously how she got here, how important it is to give someone their own space to learn. She really has some methods for how she goes into audition rooms and classes, how the artist's way really changed her life, uh, how her podcast came to be, and understanding that you can't have it all at the same time. I think that's something we're all trying to learn consistently. So without further ado, please enjoy Alicia Oxy. So what I'm asking all of my guests this season to start out with is Mm -hmm. when they remember acting being, the idea of acting being something that you could do professionally. Mm -hmm. Do you know when that was? Oh yeah. Annie. I think I was like Four,
1: five, six. Oh, from the beginning. Yeah. I, in kindergarten, I wrote, my mom has this piece of paper somewhere, Like, and I've talked about this before, like the lines that you learn how to write in kindergarten, like the dotted lines. Mm-hmm. And I wrote, I want to be in the TV. So I just knew, like I, I just want it to be these, like that's what I wanted to grow up and do. It took me, I'd say, 15 years to say it out loud repeatedly Mm -hmm. and even when I moved here I think it took me a long to say long time to say I'm an actor I'm an actor because I felt shamed for it so whenever I started talking about it out loud whatever like it doesn't matter who was saying what I just felt like oh who might have it it seemed like me saying oh I want to be an actor people took that as like oh you think you're special versus if I said oh I want to be a teacher people be like oh great um and that's what my brain remembers. Like, I know that reality is always different. And maybe, you know, my parents or my friends didn't mean to, like, scar me that way. But I, I was built in the manner of, like, oh, well, oh, okay, make myself smaller? Don't be special. Even though inside me I was, like, dying to figure out how to do this. Um, so it was always there.
0: How did you, once you were able to say it out loud, make the, you know, the move? Where did you grow up? Kentucky. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I grew up so, all over the Midwest. So all, yeah. I, it, feel, it felt even smaller
1: there because it was exactly. such a far-fetched dream. Yes. And I think that's why people, so in defense of everybody that was like, who do you think you are wanting to be an actor? I think it's just because, you know, grew up in middle America, that is not a job that you can like, you know, on a Monday run into somebody and be like, oh, that's an actor. That's, right. a, that's a person who does acting. Um, you run into accountants and lawyers and doctors and whatever – normalized profession or like what everybody within
0: the box is thinking. It's like someone having a zebra as a pet. It just it, doesn't compute as an idea.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then it, it makes people think, Oh, you're different. Um, but wait, what was the initial question that you just oh, asked? So, uh, it's okay.
0: Um, so w- when, when you were able to say that switch. out loud, yeah, how did that make that switch.
1: I had to move to LA mm-hmm. and I had to do like four or five years of therapy just to be legit honest. Mm-hmm. Um, Because I felt like I felt really weird saying I am an actor when I was waiting tables or doing whatever side job, because the next question that comes is, oh, yeah, well, what have you been in? So it took me a long time to say I'm an actor. I'm now writing in in a writing class. And I the teacher says a writer is someone who writes and i love that and i wish any if I, I could have just said that to myself at the beginning an actor is someone who acts yeah. it doesn't have to there doesn't have to be an exchange of money to validate like a painter that paints for themselves are they not a painter yeah like they if they don't sell their canvases like my father in law was a painter and he didn't start selling his canvases until he was 73 but he started painting when he was a teenager does that not make yeah. him a painter for all those decades? But that was my psychology that I had to get over mm-hmm. is accepting and not feeling like embarrassed or shamed or thinking I'm taking up too much space
0: so a girl therapy. Oh, it's, <laughs> that's been a very common theme on this season of the podcast is mm-hmm. people are, are getting more and more open about talking about mental health and and the things that happen through therapy and how you can be okay with – Yourself and your goals. Yeah. And I think as an actor, that should be a write off. Go to therapy, oh. understand
1: the human condition. Why not start with yourself and then and nitpick and understand? And because no, no one person has it all together. And if they do, I would really love to talk to you. Like, I think so. that's why we're, we inhabit <laughs> as humans, like, because we're here to have a shared and learned experience and to explore. So there are things that we're going to have to like dissect and figure out and not just harbor.
0: Yeah. So you ha- ha- came to LA, you were working these jobs, you were working on yourself. Um, what was your... Because I've listened to so many of your podcasts, and I don't think I've ever heard your story of how you got your first few acting jobs and got, you know, your representation and stuff. So can you take us back to that those initial stages in Los Angeles? Yes. Well, first of all, I did...
1: Mass mailings, which people don't necessarily have to do anymore. I had a clear envelope. So people had to look at my face before they threw me away.
0: A clear envelope? Uh Uh-huh. It
1: was instead of, like, instead of doing the yellow Mm -hmm. manila envelopes, I made, there was, at, like, staples or whatever, you can get the white ones. And on one side, it is open. So you have to, and I put my head on it, so I'd have to be like, hey, that's me you're throwing away. (laughs) (laughs) Let me, like, please. Oh, it's genius. um, And I got a few meetings from that. Nothing really came of it. I ended up with Ryan Gosling's manager. Huh. And I don't and that was somebody else in my acting class was with them. And um so then I was w- with this amazing amazing management firm that was in the business of curating careers. Did you I,
0: feel like that was a moment where you had it?
1: You I were, things felt, were happening. Yeah, and retrospect, I know now that maybe that was too big of a management firm for me, and or I just wasn't educated enough yet. Like I didn't have any credits, but I was booking small parts, but they were asking. That I not take them so I could be bigger parts on those TV shows. Wonderful tactic for people that already have a resume. But I personally think, like now looking back, get all the credits you can possibly get. And then maybe five years in start saying, Okay, I'm done with Coast land. Now I'm gonna graduate to, to Guest Star Land. They had big they had big dreams for me, and I don't think my confidence was at the level, nor my education, to be totally frank, mm-hmm. nor was my education at a place to support the idea that they had for me, and the idea that I like wistfully wanted, like, of course, I, I want to be I to be a lead of a TV show. I going to just show up to LA, and then I'm going to be Annie, and <laughs> like all dreams come true. I didn't look at it as like a ladder of learning, uh, not only like skill set mm-hmm. for my toolbox, but also like the business itself. Um, so I bounced around to a lot of different places. I got Taft Heart lead because somebody in my gym was doing a movie asked me to be in like this workout part of the movie, decided to give me lines. And then one of the other producers was like, what are you doing? Like if you give her lines, we have to tar- taft Hartley her. And that's how I got my sat card.
0: Wow. So it was just. You weren't even being strategic trying to get it. No,
1: it just happened. no. And I think in LA too, that is one of the reasons why it is, it does behoove you to live here or in New York because you do bump into those Circumstances. Mm-hmm. I mean, I. There was a moment that I've been in a Seven Eleven where a director came up to me and was like, "Hey, I'd like to see if you're right for my movie." And I was like, Shut, "Shut up." Sure. This is like, this is not. And I blew him off. And then I gave it to my manager. And then I went and I met with him. And I blew off the meeting too. And it ended up being like a big. It ended up being a big director, a great movie that came out two years later. And these are, like, the things that I've, I, once again, I think my own confidence and, like, I, I think I'm constantly on a seesaw, at least at the beginning of my career, of, oh, this is what I want to do. Oh, my God, I'm doing it. I'm here in L.A. to, like, oh, my God, who am I? That small mentality again. Mm-hmm. Who am I to be special? I'm not special. This person in 7 has got to be a joke. No way could it be this easy. All the times I feel like God was, like, here you go. Just going to plop that right there. I'm, I was, like, no, that can't be real. <laughs> Oh, the things that Uh, I wish I could go back and do. But I think it's just that's part of my journey. I wouldn't have a podcast if I would have if I would have like really nailed that meeting with the guy at Seven Eleven. Like you know, it might not have
0: happened. What are the freaking odds? Yeah, I think that is a very common mentality too. And I've done it several times where I've booked something and I'm like, this is probably not a big deal. It's probably just like a dumb thing that. And then that ends up being the thing. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And the
1: ones that you get that you're like, this is going to change my life and my career and things are great. And then you're like, oh, I'm cut out. (laughs) Or you're like, oh, 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 nobody's going to see it. Oh, it's $55 million and nobody's going to see it. Cool. Yeah, cool. That's great. I'm so excited about that. I think it's always opposites. Mm. God, that's
0: really true. What made you get past all of this once you started booking cuz i feel like you have a your 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 resume is it's pretty dense it seems, it seems it probably seems more that way from an outsider's perspective possibly um yeah. but is there something that you did that you were like oh this makes me comfortable this is something that i that has actually happened
1: uh warner Laughlin, she changed my life i think i got here and i didn't I didn't go to school for this. I was shamed out of my own shame. I, I, I was shamed out of thinking that I could like really go for this in college. So What'd you go to college for? I went to I communications. I just wanted to get out as fast as I possibly could mm-hmm. and get to LA. <laughs> like, uh-huh. like which? I started in theater, and then I was like, I don't want to be a tree for a semester. I'd really like to be in LA, and I want to be Annie. <laughs> I'm leaving this program. What's the one I can get out quickly with? So communications. Um, but like being here and not knowing how to do anything, I think I bounced around to a lot of different classes trying to figure out like, okay, audition technique, or okay, breaking down a scene, this, that, and whatever. The management company that I, the Ryan Gosling management company that I had signed with, the one thing I owe her big time for is she read an article that Amy Adams did in Vanity Fair talking about Warner Laughlin, talking about her type of personality and her type of work ethic. And she called me in and she was like, read this. Go find this teacher. This is, this. is You have this kind of – not that I am Amy Adams, but I have this – uh, work ethic that I will work really hard at, at it. And, uh, growing up, I never got MVP on any of the sports teams. I got most coachable. So like, if you show mm. me how to do th- something, especially if I'm passionate about it, I am full forced mm. in. And I found Warner and being able to learn a technique that wasn't based on my own self because in my own self, there w- there's doubt, there's shame there's all these what we call like big emotions that i wasn't ready in my 20s you're like to deal with yet but in Warner's technique i build a whole imagination a whole life of this character so nothing of me needs to bleed in here so if i have to be have a lot of bravado or or be something that is so uncomfortable for Alicia i can do that for Lucy i can i can do that for these other people and that's when like my career I changed from having a dream into a career like this is my job oh, this is my responsibility that. this is my responsibility to Lucy this is my responsibility to the audience she gave me a tool set that empowered me as an artist and I'm always oh like every audition I get every role I get is some element of of the technique that she taught me
0: you know it's funny as I did a I went into their office and I've taken that one intensive with them and she was in her office working with Amy Adams the day yeah. I came. So it's funny that you put those two together. And
1: I mean, look at Amy. Like yeah, I just, am, every cell on her body is invested in every scene. Mm-hmm. That's, that to me is the type of work I want to do. And I'm still learning and there are little small moments where every cell of my body is invested. I'm working to like get there all the time. How did it change how you approach auditions? Ah, completely. Mm. It gave me all my power. So if you've ever worked with Warner or you get her book or whatever, you really step through the character in so many different lenses that I just, I, I was so invested in the audition now because it felt like here's my responsibility for Lucy. Here is my Lucy. And this is why you, I don't care what you think about Lucy. This is, who Lucy is. And this is the path that I am. And if, if you don't choose this, that's just cause you chose a different path. Not cause my path is wrong. Mm-hmm. I took out it. Like it, it allowed me to remove like right or wrong for an audition. Ugh, that's and, like the,
0: some of the hardest stuff. <laughs> yeah.
1: And I think for so many, my perfectionist mind, mine, mine, I'm going to get this right mentality growing up. All of a sudden I didn't have to be right or wrong. I, I just had to choose a path and she gives you some such great tools for committing to the choice that you've made, that it, it's alive and it's vibrant and it's exciting. I, like auditions for me became exciting. I was no longer in the waiting room nervous because I'd done all my work and um, was excited, like changed my energy, I think.
0: Do you remember any of the first roles you booked after that switch and yep. how you came to set?
1: Yeah, oh, yeah. So I – and this is a funny story – but. Um, Claire Coffey.
0: Do you know Claire Coffey? Actress,
1: She was on Grimm. She's worked a lot. She's blonde hair, blue eyed. I would go to a lot of auditions and Claire would get it and Claire would get it and Claire would get it. And she's a great, great actress. About three, four months after studying with Warner, I walked into an audition and signed in under Claire. And I was like, Oh. Claire's gonna get this, and then I. It, but I never had animosity. I just was more like that. It was more like I just uh, was so in awe of her talents mm-hmm. that I'm like, okay, I want to do that. And then I saw that she was under a, like for a different character, and I was like, oh, oh, my god, Claire and I could work together. And then I just remember sitting there because the the Catherine was the name of the character that I was going in for, and I all my homework just sank into me in a different way like the different imaginary like meditations I was doing for Catherine so when I walked in the room I just I felt really alive I had a lot of power um plopped that chair down did both scenes they they didn't have me do it any other way I walked out of there I didn't second guess it I didn't windshield like actor it the whole way home (laughs) And then, and also, the pressure was off too. I think whenever I started to see Claire now, I started to be like, "Oh well, she's gonna get it, so I can do anything." Yeah, your stakes
0: are not that high anymore. <laughs> yeah.
1: So thank you, Claire.
0: Um,
1: <laughs> but I remember them calling and being like, "Hey, you, the director wants to meet you for this movie." It was the lead of the film, and I was like, "No, what?" And then I went and I met with him, and I had all of I had a binder of like everything about Catherine and why how I felt she was built and why she wasn't a bitch and she was like this instead. And, and the director fought for me. Like a lot of people are like, don't hire her. You can get a name. You can get a name. And he was like, no, she's my Catherine. And then I showed up to set and I felt like it was, it was a really fun experience to have responsibility and to be able to use like all of the technique. Um, cause Warner's got a whole like system. It's not just, mm-hmm auditions it's also like mapping out where you are so when you are the lead of the film you know exactly what you're doing and how you're doing it so she I just felt like I had I could breathe yeah 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 and I felt I felt like I could step into my own and feel, I felt responsible for once which was really it shifted my perspective from me like oh look at me I'm being an actress like I've approved the universe like the universe has approved me by saying like here here's a job I didn't. I my brains shifted from that into the investment and the responsibility of bringing this
0: character to life. Instead of validating your
1: acting yes. career, you were getting to yes, do and how the selfish job. is that? Like i like I've gone round and round with myself in the last couple of years where I'm like, well, that was so self-serving and so selfish. And I'm glad I didn't get a lot of the roles. I wasn't prepared to step out of my own yet. And maybe that's what your 20s are about.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, (laughs) you know, like, but I do really think that, um, I said I stopped needing approval and validation and Mm -hmm. that allowed
0: me to have space to have responsibility and learn. Do you think you would have felt the same way if, of not needing the validation and the approval, because that's something I'm struggling with right now. I'm about to turn 31. I'm, you know, finally, like, in the big girl world, I feel like, and uh, leaving the, needing the validation, needing other people to think, oh, she, she, she got a booking. So she's still an actress. We forgot that she was doing this, but she's still doing this. Was that solidified because you were booking, or was it because you had a process you were following? You felt creative, I think at that
1: moment it was a culmination of a lot of things. I think I I went through a wall. Like Warner always refers to like right before there's huge transformation. It's just the caterpillar analogy. It's mm-hmm. like you're stuck in this uncomfortable place and you don't want to push further. And I think like six months into working with her, about a year into working with her, I was like, I'm done. I'm done acting. I'm done with all of this. Because like, I wasn't getting validated the way I wanted. To. I wasn't booking, quotations, mm-hmm. the way I want it. Um, and my husband was like, no, you're going to go. You're going to go to class. Because it's not about the bookings. It's about like the art And I just went to class. I remember burying into class and into myself. And that is when I felt the shift in responsibility. And I also just think, once again, therapy. Like, I really think I had to go through a big um, transition about, like, who am I? What do I want in my life? I remember I was like, yeah, I was like 26, 27, and I really needed this, uh aha, take control of your life, stop being... Victim and stop being like that. Like stop being that needy person. Like, what do you need? Mm-hmm. Go, go get what you need to feel filled up, so you can like
0: be fully present for your art. Does that like? Yeah. I mean, I like, but yeah. that was like my well, like, invested in in the in. I feel like saying invested in class means you were just investing in the process and yeah. class was just where you put that particular I, I energy. I all of a
1: sudden took the end result off of it. Like I, it's, but it, that's the thing that drives me insane about the mind. Like, you know, when you're an adult, you're like, okay, of course it's not about the result. But then the other voice is like, yeah, it is. I have to pay my rent. I have to do this. I have to do this. And I'm 27 years old and I should not be waiting tables at 5,000 places. So mm-hmm. that inner critic goes like crazy. But then the mind is <laughs> like, 100%. if you just let it go, it does come to you, but you can't fake letting it go. Like, you have to genuinely surrender to the process. Um, I also started The uh, the Artist Way, that was the first time I got my hands on The Artist Way, mm, okay, by Julia Cameron. And I did a 12 week, so like, the
0: bottom of that bookshelf right there. <laughs> yes,
1: I did a deep dive. And I came out on the other side a different person. And then I started booking. I was like, <clears throat> and then I was like, wait, me? Because <laughs> then I, I also, I, like, I was going into auditions and, like, not caring. So then when people would call and book me, I'm like, oh, for what?
0: Oh, I <laughs> <laughs> forgot about that. That's great. Have you okay. always been someone who commits this fully to things? Because it seems like you don't, yeah. from our conversation before about trying out this, the whatever you're doing right now and all these different things, it seems like you kind of just dive in, and that's where you live for a while? Yes. The Scorpio.
1: Intense. <laughs> I'm intense. I have all the passion.
0: Um, <laughs> no, I do. I do a really
1: deep dive. Like the reason why the podcast I just told you about, mm-hmm. the reason why I was a guest on their show, Bigfoot Collectors, I'll just pump them out here for anybody that's into like paranormal the reason why I was a guest on that is because he happened to see me after an audition in the bar the host of it and I had just auditioned for something called Blue Books and I'd gone like down the rabbit hole like three weeks of preparation of like watching documentaries and like I become consumed with things that I am excited about
0: how did you have three weeks to prepare for an audition
1: I got really lucky I have no idea that is cool it was and it was one of those things that I kept praying for that because for true detective I had a lot of prep before I shot Mm. and I was like I want that I really really want that and I don't know when that audition for blue book happened but they're like just to let you know you're going to have this in the next few weeks at some time. And I was like,
0: okay, thank you. Oh my God, how much cooler would auditions be if you got (sighs) to dive into it like like it was a booking?
1: Well, that's the thing. That's why auditions, I think, are so hard is because you'll get it. And let's give ourselves some grace. 24 hours later, you have to turn around and present your idea for these characters. Half that time you're sleeping, trying to eat, trying to get yourself ready. And I will have like two, three days later, sometimes I'll be in the shower. I get all my hits in the shower and I'll be like, oh my God, I get it. I know. I get who she is. No, no, no. Okay. Let me do it again. Let me do it again. Let me do it. Like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that's the gift with a lot of, that's why Oscar winners are Oscar winners. Like, let's be real. Mm-hmm. I love all the Amy Adams in the world and all like they are so talented. And everybody that's out the Oscars, I'm not taking away their talent. I'm just saying the playing field could be a lot more even if we all had this much time. And also like the duration of movies now, they're shot in twelve to fourteen days. And the Oscar movies are shot in six months. Like they do a page a day. I just did a movie last this couple weeks ago and we were doing fifteen pages a day. Fifteen? Yeah.
0: Cause you gotta gotta got get that shit done. That is incredible. It's
1: insane. And then you wonder you're like, oh, that movie's not very good. I'm like,
0: no, of course it's not. Because <laughs> like, like come on.
1: Only people like there could be like a banner at the bottom of it. That's <laughs> like says, a disclaimer. Yeah, Like this was made in 13 days. One of which rained the whole day. They skipped all of it. They shot 16 pages in one day. The writer literally gave them new pages. Okay. It's great. Go. I mean, it's those like sh-
0: old pop-up video, like <laughs> on this day we ran out of water on set. Just yes, so everyone knows. There was
1: no trailers or water. <laughs>
0: Yeah, they're like, you can't cut away
1: to anything because our equipment fell down the mountain right after we shot one side of this.
0: (laughs) I would absolutely watch that movie. That's actually a great idea for like a a personal, if anyone's doing a project. Well, then your investment in this type of learning, did that spur the podcast? Because I know if I'm correct... (laughs) In my research, your podcast was originally going to be a book? Yeah. Is that correct? Is yeah. it still
1: going to be? Maybe at some point it it could be a book now, but what happened was it was an audition that I farted in. It's
0: a fucking while story, in a bikini the
1: next to fucking a Giselle looking Barbie doll. <laughs> and not once but twice. And the great thing about it is I was in Leslie Kahn at the time, so you know, it's a comedic uh, acting school for anybody that's looking for comedy mm-hmm. class, and my class was like star-studded, and and everybody. When I shared the story, everybody started sharing stories, and I was like, "Why is this not a book? This would be hilarious! A mm-hmm. hundred and one most unforgettable auditions, and just have it be a coffee table book." So then I just got this little recorder, and I started asking people, "Just tell me any audition story. I don't care." And people would come and tell me like four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10 stories. And then I realized I'm like, oh, we're missing, we're missing something here. Um, but in the book, I was going to do a timeline, like when that audition happened, to show perseverance, to show like, oh, this happened, and then they booked, you know, The Walking Dead, and da 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 da. Mm-hmm. So when so and so got arrested at their audition and was told they're never going to work again, <laughs> then they got a series regular two years later, like just to show the like the waves mm-hmm. that we don't ever express. So then that the podcast kind of it just because I'm not a celebrity. So nobody was going to do a coffee table book cause they're damn expensive to make. Mm. Um, so I'm sitting on the book. I have like 300 interviews. Wow. 300 audition stories.
0: Wow, I would say, I would say like three or four. Really
1: yeah. 101 added up really fast. But then doing it as a podcast is just fun. So yeah, it was to- it was once again an audition story. Mm. Just I guess squeezing some lemonade out of a lemon <laughs> situation.
0: It, that's <laughs> Although amazing. I think it
1: was really funny. I think that's the best. Yeah, I was really really proud of my improv skills when I first farted. Will you, will you open I up the story a little bit? Her. Oh yeah. So some if people have listened to my podcast, they'll have already heard the story, but I it was a callback for Axe body spray. Yeah, girl, and you know I'm waitressing. I've been to so many of these. I can't yep, <laughs> I'm waitressing. I probably like got home in that morning at like five in the morning and had to go to this callback in a bikini.
0: Which is, the, by the way, there is <sighs> no worse lighting for bikinis than no. audition room. Like, do you wear shoes? Do you not? I never know. What do you wear to the audition? What do you, yeah, uh, exactly. So do I,
1: I <laughs> yeah, I, I'm wearing wearing a cover up as most jiggly like self respecting. Women, I shouldn't say self-respecting. That's not right. I mean, for those of us that are un- like uncomfortable with some body parts, we're mm-hmm. wearing cover-ups because the ones that aren't, you don't have to wear a cover-up. Good for There's you, a girl. My leggings Good go for up to my you. Cage. Yeah, right? <laughs> but she was like the one, and they were calling us in two by two, and I, I walked in, and she was sitting like the girl that I was eventually going in with was sitting in the waiting room, no cover-up on, girl, nothing, and her like, and everybody was staring at her because it was like, God. She looks amazing. Like, I don't want to get called in with her. Please don't call me in with her. Please don't. Like, and of course, I knew I was getting called in with her. They call us both in. Girl, it is all guys in that room. There's the casting director, probably the director. Maybe the ad firm is there or maybe all of his buddies. But I do not remember seeing one female face in that room other than ours. And, and the director was like, okay, you guys are starving. You haven't eaten in like months. Make it years. You haven't eaten in years. We had to jog next to each other. And fight each other, like we were going for this piece of meat. Well, in bikini, and then the guy was like, "You can, Elisha, whenever you're ready, just take your basic, take your clothes off." I'm like, okay. so I like walk over to the corner, I drop my uh, cover up, I come back, and we started running. And he was like, "Faster, harder, run harder!" And we are, I'm getting into it. We're, like, shoving each other. We are, like, inches from shoulder to shoulder. And the noise that came out of my ass, it literally, like, I remember it, sh- like, jiggling m- my butt cheeks. And I was in the same breath of being shocked that my body made that noise. I did this. I was like, <gasps> Like I was like, oh my god, you farted in like slow motion because I was like, how dare Giselle blow one like that? (laughs) (laughs) Totally. And in my head, I was like, well played, lush, good improv. That would be if I was watching that, that'd be really funny. Um, The funny part though was when I did it again, like a second later, and then I turned beet red, and then everybody in the room, like you know that face where you're trying not to laugh, like that quiver face. (laughs) (laughs) where <laughs> they're like thank thank you <laughs> like they were just dying waiting for me to leave the room oh but I had to go get my cover up walk across the room jiggle back out and out of the room and as I like shut the door I do that you could tell they were starting to be like did, did you hear that like <laughs> and so I mean that it will be I didn't get it and they hired like <laughs> get the part and That they, audition is on tape somewhere I, that's the, what I'm wondering you gotta find it if somebody can find the axe bodies and it's probably 2008 nine, okay. seven, eight, nine, somewhere in there it <laughs>
0: exists
1: that exists somewhere but they hired no joke like 50 women I think every woman that was at that callback got the job because when I saw the commercial I was like oh she was there she was there she was there she was there
0: I mean <laughs> I would have hired you on set that would have been a blast are you kidding we would have had so many laughs Congratulations. <laughs> I have, I
1: have, and a lot of my friends think this is funny, I have, you know, to give my body a lot of credit for <laughs> farting my way into a 10-year career
0: as a host of a show now. Oh, my God. But you know what's so cool is that pretty girls never talk about this stuff. They never talk about not only, first of all, mistakes in high-pressure situations, it it only we only some oftentimes hear the story when it ends in and then I booked it and then I but I know and I'm I'm whenever I interview people especially
1: for the book and they're like yeah and then I booked it I'm like do you have any other ones like <laughs> or you didn't <laughs> you tell me so I was one. like <laughs> the, the, the path looks very paved for you which is great and uh-huh. I'm so proud and happy for you but
0: but what did also, we pave over
1: we know there's yeah, yeah there's some well stuff. And I also just don't any there is no perfection out there There's, like, none. Mm -hmm. And it's way more fun. Like, Chelsea Handler is, like, kind of my idol. Where I just think that you just have to be who you are. And I really like when people mess up. It's, like, my
0: fave. Me too.
1: (laughs) And I'm starting to like it a lot when I mess up. I'm like, well, what reason was that for? We'll find out later.
0: (laughs) In your podcasting, have there been any standout episodes or stories that have really affected you or are there any um takeaways that you've really pocketed that have become become useful to you?
1: so many oh my god it's I've interviewed like 450 people I um Steve Howie is always one of my faves because the balls he has on him like literally and figure <laughs> I don't know about his balls <laughs> but he is his bravado like he the things that he did to win himself auditions he was very he, I mean, he like standing outside of a window when the casting director is running sessions, so he can the casting director can see him and the other guys are reading here. He was like dancing outside the window. He's like, I acted like I was getting prep, man, but I was. I was getting in prep, but the whole time the casting director was watching him, like he found ways to divert attention to him or. um garner attention for him so that he would get like, he would get his nerves out so also that tactic of him being outside and dancing in front of the casting director it wasn't just to be like hey look at me see me it was to get all of his nerves out like he would go to a grocery stores before auditions and at the checkout lines scream he's like everybody look at me look at me look at me and then when, once everybody would look at him, and he's like, and I would feel so embarrassed and get, like, all of my shame and crazy stuff out. He'd be like, okay, thank you. And then he would, like, go to his audition. He would do crazy things like that, and it just always sticks with me. And how he tested and got Reba is, like.
0: I loved that story. I loved were that he like story. army it's, crawl to, like, listen to, to people? Uh-huh. That was like, the one he left, right? He left yeah. the audition and then yeah. went back. Yeah. No, no,
1: that was a different one. Oh, okay. yeah, the Reba one. Like he was testing against somebody else, or maybe that was. It was like I can't maybe remember. the beginning of it was he left and then came back. I always reference his um, Paul Adelstein, who's come, who's uh, did my live show. He did an interview for the book at a time that I was getting ready to quit, and his story of not getting Grey's Anatomy and then getting private practice is a story that every actor needs to hear because he literally didn't think he was ever going to work again in just the wild ride that he takes you on for three years. So I really gravitate to stories that have longevity to them and circle completion. Like I love connecting the dots. And I think as an artist, what the coolest thing about it is, is um, realizing how you can network yourself into a position as well as just enjoy the process so that so that people remember you mm-hmm. from five. It's not your job to get the job. It's your job to make a, a, start a relationship. Yeah. And, and every story, and I feel like I get those stories all the time where it's like, oh, this happened. A Constance Schulman from Orange is the New Black, she quit for 15 years. Quit for fifteen years because she was called to raise her babies. When I heard that, I was like, "Oh, I need to take a break and be with my baby." Have you done um, that? A little, Well, yeah, forced breaks where it's <laughs> like, "Okay, I'm not going to work for a couple months." Okay. <laughs> There's definitely the but yeah, I yeah relatively no not really because I was always searching for work. She stopped searching for work and really focused on her babies. And then about fifteen years later, decided, "Hey, I want to come back." ready to come back, and everybody told her she couldn't come back. Even her agent, who was her friend, like just her friend, was like, Connie, you know, like, they don't do black and white headshots anymore. Like, you're probably not going to work. And her fourth audition was for a web series called Netflix for Orange is the New Black. Wow. And she got it. She's the yoga instructor, and she has such a unique voice, and just, yeah, there's so many. I mean, Michelle Monaghan's stories, like, she just is, she was my screensaver for five, six years. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, the fact that I manufactured a way for me to be able to sit and have a conversation. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they're like, who would you like to have lunch with? If you could have lunch with anybody, if you would have told, like, my 22 year old self that, like, not only were you, like, being a project that she's associated with and in as well, that you'll get to sit and talk to her. So those are.
0: It's just some of my faves. Mm. I could go on for hours. No, I love this. <laughs> you said that there was a point where you also almost, before you, Paul Adelstein, where you considered quitting. Yeah. Can we touch on that, those dark corners?
1: Yeah, I consider quitting once a year. I don't feel like you're feel a great like artist. <laughs> <you're> not,
0: <laughs> like,
1: why am I doing this? I think that's very healthy <laughs> to get through. <laughs> But there's been like serious times where I was quitting. That was the one time, and that was right before uh, that was during that time when I was at Warner's and like six months into being Warner's. Like, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? I'm not seeing the results that I want. I was putting again the validation in the results, Mm -hmm. and that almost broke me. I think as an artist, I don't even know, I'm getting comfortable even calling myself like an artist, but even as like, Somebody that creates. If you're somebody that creates for a living, I think that you have to not put it in the results. Mm -hmm. And those are always my deepest, darkest times that I feel like quitting is when I've shifted the focus from responsibility as an artist or... Um Honor or gratitude to get to to get to play, to get to be chosen, to get to write, to get to talk to people, to be interested in stories to I need this job, oh my God, I'm not booking, oh my God, nobody cares about me, I haven't been in for a while. that spiral always sends me down to quitting when I'm yeah. there. so yeah, two thousand seven that two thousand that I just remember that period of time or two thousand eight very specifically, and then there's yeah. Then there's the fleeting like, ugh. And then something, and then an audition comes in, a character comes in, or an idea comes in that I can't shake. Mm-hmm. And I'm it. right back in. I'm like, <laughs> oh, did you dangle a carrot? I'm back. I'm not quitting. I'm just, I was just teasing. I love you. I love you. <laughs> I like. I feel I'm like here. it's like I'm here. Choose me. Yes. <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, in, when you are, when you were in those periods and I don't know, I don't know what your situation is now, um, working side jobs and things like that, how did you keep yourself, uh, excited and how did you keep your time scheduled? And now you have a daughter and I'm not sure when you, um, you and your husband got married, but how did you maintain your finances and balance, um, being creatively driven in these times? I think.
1: Times. I think it all shifts in different ways. I think uh, once again, when I was in resistance, I was constantly in resistance, for going to like my multiple, f- several thousand jobs, mm-hmm. being a poker girl, being a waitress girl, being a bartender. Being I totally picture uh, you as a poker girl. That's so cute. I mean, I did
0: anything really respectable.
1: <laughs> With money. Some
0: Molly's game stuff. That's cool.
1: Yeah, I did. But I wasn't I wasn't doing the poker games. I was just witnessing the poker games and being like, would you like a cocktail? I was basically waitressing <laughs> the poker games. Like, let's just be real. I mean, and how hard is that? But it was really interesting to watch people throw their money and jets into the middle of the table. You're in Hollywood. So when you're doing poker mm-hmm. <laughs> games in Hollywood, it's interesting and dicey, but mm-hmm. interesting. Mm-hmm. Um but I, w- when I was putting my energy into resisting doing those, and I resisted them for years where I was like, fuck this. I fucking hate that I have to do this. I hate that I'm driving here. Um, and then I noticed that my creative time on those days when I was in so much resistance of going to that job I had to go to at 8 or 9 o'clock at night, um, I wasn't very good at being creative. I started doing. I'm not kidding. The artist way changed my life. Doing the artist way, and then getting a gratitude practice. Then I started going to these jobs and being like, "Thank you, okay. At least tomorrow I can go and rehearse for this play. Thank God, okay. So tomorrow I have this audition and this. I have to. I lived in freaking Venice at the time, Ugh. and would drive to auditions. Um, but I don't think I managed my time well, which is why I think I'm a late bloomer in this game. Like I, I was trying to have one foot in both worlds at all times and I wish I would have invested even more into my career than I wish I would have had more of the confidence to be like, no, both feet are right here Mm -hmm. and look at my waitressing jobs in a different way. Like, and once I shifted it, it did change where I was like, I need to make this much money and then I can do X, Y, and Z and valuing my time now
0: <laughs>
1: now um being a mom it, I feel like I'm just juggling balls girl and I'm not gonna lie I'm juggling balls and I drop balls all the time yeah all the time all the time I think once you become a parent um I had the aha moment like I remember walking my stroller being like I, I, ca- I can't have it all I can't have it all I cannot have it all and that is okay. I cannot have it all right now. And I think I lived my life being like I want it all. I want I want to be able to like write and direct and make money and and be a mom and create more content. I'm like yeah, I'm one person and I didn't look at making a life as creating. And it took a lot out of me to create that little baby. And it, t- it takes a lot of energy to create the environment in which I want her to thrive mm-hmm and uh so i drop balls and i don't i really have a hard time when i listen to people be like oh i do this and i do this i'm like how and do you
0: and, sleep and, and, and
1: do you sleep but then i will say when i am really rigid with myself like when i pop in i did the artist way and i did it in a i did it in a woman's group setting when i am on and i can give myself an hour in the morning to write and to meditate i am so impressed how my creativity will just flow. (laughs) And yet there's days that I think I either self-sabotage or I'm just really tired. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh my God, I can't imagine. So I try to give myself grace and try to make sure that I do that a few days a week so then I can schedule my time better. And also I am now, I have to like make a schedule every Sunday night. I have to see what's happening and I have to budget into my work day like a power hour of working on an audition or working on sides. And then I have to budget in my writing time for my creative projects. Yeah.
0: What are your routines that can keep you continuously working as an actor, doing creative things, you know, doing the podcast, taking Mm -hmm. care of your daughter and your relationships? How do you, is there specific routines that you try to follow? (laughs) Yeah.
1: I, I try to get up before my daughter hasn't been happening lately. Um, where I can do, like, literally the 5.30 to 6.30 hour, like, and it sounds bananas. And if you're working three jobs right now, that is not suitable for you. It's not. But what I used to do when I was in my thriving moments when I was, like, when I was working in the bars is whenever I would wake up, first thing I would do is write, meditate, walk on the beach, which was glorious and I miss. but I would walk, I would be out in nature and then, um give myself like okay I need to I'm gonna write for two hours I'm gonna research for two hours and then whatever auditions I had I use that or I use rehearsal time screenplays yeah okay. well um, just books whatever. creative writing I like before when I didn't have a direction yeah a lot of creative writing I would just dump just dump whatever's okay. in me to come out and sometimes I would get little hits. Um, I get a lot of hits when I write. If I can open the channel, if I if you can just write for three pages, mm-hmm. exactly what the artist way, way tells you, you really can work yourself through a, an emotion or a situation or a creative block. Like I mm-hmm. get a lot of my creative ideas, yeah, from writing. So yeah, I do the five thirty-six thirty. I write, meditate. Um, if I I have to work out, it's like a moving meditation for my body. Mm-hmm and get my kid to school, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, which is, you know, a couple hours. And then I tr- I'm i trying not to do more than two interviews a week because I also have to add in prep time for that. So every Monday is dedicated to the podcast, to, the, to research and stuff. And then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I'm open for uh, podcasts. And then whenever auditions come through, it sidelines Shift. everything. <laughs> and i'm not going to lie and then i then the time is now just like wrapped up into that but i have to negotiate all my time around literally 8:30 to 5:30 every day mm-hmm. cuz my kiddo and sometimes i think i think you have to have all of your energy invested into having some type of routine before you have a child so, you can remember what you would like to get back to or what interests you. Right now, now having a kid, my time is so precious that I can laser focus into a character or a writing piece and know I have 49 minutes and I talk to my creativity. I'm like, listen, tomorrow at two, if you want to show up, Aggie, you can show up. Like, we have stuff we have to figure out <laughs> and let's do it. I sound like a crazy person, but I do. Like, in no, the night, that's. And, and then I need my girl time and my husband time. So I have to like schedule in a date night and I schedule in a girl night. Like I kind of figure out what fills me up mm-hmm. now. And as a creative person, I think you have to be filled up. Whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, figure out what you are. Fill yourself up so you can create faster. I create faster when I'm filled up.
0: Mm. I love that. You've always seemed like, from listening to the podcast, like a very spiritual person. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's something you've you've developed over time or if it's something you've always been. But that fascinates me because that's something that I've, I've never really lived in that realm. Um, and to me, I grew up with a family that was Catholic and I was like, oh, spiritual means religious and religious means this. Mm-hmm. And that's still something as I get older, I'm like, not not true um and dividing up my thought processes from my beliefs from mm-hmm. my ideas um how did you have you developed because you meditate have you developed a spiritual practice is there things behind that and because mm-hmm. I'm sure that part of people I think fuels your career
1: I think you're very spiritual I think everybody's spiritual so you are spiritual I heard this I forget who said this yesterday that I was listening to probably Eckhart Toy. <laughs> <laughs> I got the I got the grace to go watch him speak and he said spirituality is in all of us religion is just a construct that people put around the spirituality mm-hmm. a construct in which they can become a financial institution too so let's just look at Text that free. <laughs> so spirituality to me is just like an inner knowing a balance in your breath a grounding in this world and in this earth and I really Think that I, when I am grounded and centered, I do think there's a channel that we can you can step into the one the, all the energies of the world. I'm going to get so woo woo. No, get woo woo. Um, but that's where I create like I look at that as the umbilical cord. So to me, spirituality is like this co-creation of of oneness, of energy, of, of, and I do think when you tap into that energy, like we are energy, this table is energy. Mm -hmm. Our bodies are energy, our thoughts. Um, there's studies of like our thoughts literally are energy and you can do like a water experiment and, and freeze water and talk to it. And it changes the energy, the crystallization of the ice. Like that,
0: (laughs) that's, so crazy It's amazing
1: <laughs> and if we can tap like if you can tap into something and a lot of artists talk about this a lot of musicians talk about this writers um anybody and we're all creative if you sit down and you can like get yourself in a flow where you're open to that oneness or that spirituality or whatever you want to call it that energy mm-hmm. what can come out of you is just like where does that come from That's so, it's so incredible. Think about some of the greatest movies or paintings or pictures that you, I just think, I think that it is our responsibility to get back to our spirituality Mm -hmm. in order to be really good artists. So, and I grew up in Catholicism in a religion construct Mm -hmm. and it constantly buffed me. Like I was like, (laughs) I was like, so if I was born in China, I wouldn't be, here and I wouldn't be Catholic so they're not right people they're not like I didn't understand the idea around religion being like this is right and they're wrong but except uh-huh. all like just the hypocrisy uh-huh. blows uh-huh. my mind uh-huh. and you know all those documentaries that have come out like that's kind of some of stuff has come out from where around where I was raised and I don't mm-hmm. I don't understand religion has just gotten a bad name for spirituality
0: yeah. Uh huh.
1: So, um, and I prefer to work with a co-creator because the things the, the the few times that I've been able to like tap in and really channel, it's mm-hmm. the best feeling in the world.
0: What makes someone creatively work with you? Like when you've been on a set um, and things mm-hmm. have just really flowed. What do you feel like that person is giving you in a good partnership?
1: Oh God, um, presence. Just as cheesy as that is, presence and. I've worked with some of the pro like people that are also tapped into that like that grounded spiritualness. Like people always ask what was it like to work with Matthew McConaughey? Mm-hmm. It was amazing. <laughs> that guy is tapped into his shit. Like yeah. he's tapped in. He meditates. Like you can see the work in him and he is so present. Mm-hmm. So working at, the best partners I've had are people that are really tapped in that are very confident in who they are and know what they want as artists, therefore also know how to serve you. Mm-hmm. The best partner, I i mean, you both show up. Like, it is a true partnership. Like, that's when the magic happens. Uh-huh. Like, when you can ex- really connect with somebody and throw everything else away. And that's why. Like, I get hot and fiery right now. Like, that's why <laughs> I act is those little moments. Oh, that charges me up for, like, Days, for hours, for an extended amount of time after that magic moment happens. So, yeah, the best partners for me have always just, they just really know their stuff. They're really prepared and they're open to play
0: mm-hmm. and
1: they're tapped into something that is allowing them to like breathe and be egoless and just exist.
0: Is there a way you've found to incorporate that kind of thing and your spirituality into moments? Like filming for a TV show, for example, because they they move so fast and you get such short amount of time. Like, um, like life sentence, for example. Um, Your character was so fun in that show. I love that. I love Marlene. Um, She was so funny, (laughs) and and you got. I mean, in my opinion, not enough time (laughs) with her. I mean, I love (laughs) you. I know. I
1: wanted more time with Marlene. I did. They will. This is where, like, we'll keep finish your question, but I was...
0: Oh, no. Uh, Well, I was going to say, how do you bring that type of connectiveness, playfulness, spiritualness into moments on sets where if if any of the actors, because I have a lot of newer actors who listen to the podcast, um, if you haven't been on a set before, once you get there, especially for television, you get, you go, you're done, moving on to the next. And it doesn't Mm -hmm. feel creative sometimes. Mm-hmm. um, so is being present what helps you find that in that like how do you find that on Hell a
1: yeah yes okay so Marlene for me was so interesting too God and I wish she could have stayed around for a lot longer mm-hmm. um that was something I created life out of something so little in the pilot there was just a couple of lines and I think this comes back to like really exactly what I just said, doing your work before you show up and have, making sure your thought patterns are in a spiritual place, like where you're in an uplifting place for yourself. Like I talk to myself before I go on these sets because they're moving so fast. Mm-hmm. You once again, you, especially if you're coming on as a co-star, as a guest star, don't come in for this validation because they're going to move on so fast from your scene. You're there to move the story along. So have the validation come from yourself, which for me comes when I'm spiritually grounded. Like when I'm like, okay, I'm here to be of service. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Um, let me be open. And I pray, uh, I prayed when I go to sets, especially TV, cause I want it to be like, let me get an experience out of this. That makes me feel X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes you're not going to get the magic on those sets. And you have to know, is this a hit my mark, say my line? This isn't going to be a magical moment, probably, acting-wise. So be in a play. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like, like, let's just be real. Be in a play. Because you're going to show up as a co-star. You need to say that line once. It's probably not going to be magical. But maybe you'll meet somebody at craft services that is magical. Maybe just being at craft services is magic. Mm -hmm. Uh Or being on that set. So If you can keep yourself in that energy space of being excited and grateful, something will come from that and that can be your magic.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And I think the TV shows, when you get to have the magical acting moments, like really show up and do your work so that before you get there, like when you get there, you can just play. And if you can just play, magic will happen,
0: right? Did Did you have that dialed in when you went to that audition then, for example? Uh, I was very lucky. So, uh,
1: my girlfriend created the show and oh, thought, thought of me for Marlene and she proposed it this way. She was like, Hey, it's only a couple of lines in the pilot, but if it gets picked up, we want, we want, this is where we see her going. So I took that and ran cause I only had, I think maybe like two or three lines in the pilot. Um, But I created this character. I had a really, 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 really good time. Mm -hmm. Um, So then when I got to set and she came over to me and she said, hey, have fun. When anybody tells you to have fun on set, you better be so prepared because if you can show up and have fun in a character that looks small on page to everybody else and you've created a life for this character... They will invite you back, and that is magic. Mm -hmm. So that's, I mean, for me, like, the whole way to set, I was like, oh, I think she's southern. Oh, I'm going to do like that. Okay, um, she's southern because of this. Or, like, I was just, I was creating magic for myself. So also, I was so in this girl's head. I was so in Marlene. I loved Marlene so much. (laughs) They changed her from the pilot.
0: You could tell. Oh, have fun. You could tell. It's funny when I've talked to actors who have told me, oh, I, you know, I really enjoyed that role. And I was like, I already know mm-hmm. because it shows when you're on camera <laughs> in, in such an obvious way. Yeah, and that's she
1: got invited back. Mm-hmm. You know, that enthusiasm got invited back. Mm-hmm. And when they changed, they also changed the show. So it went from Atlanta and it moved to Vancouver because of tax incentives. Mm-hmm. And um, so my character, everything I built for her in the pilot went out the door she was no longer southern she was no longer this 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 and this but they didn't bring a lot of people from atlanta to vancouver but because of my improv the show runner was seeing my improv on the edit cuts and was like hey she's funny let's keep her
0: Mm. so
1: that was all because of what I built and had a really good time with it and I am very very like and that was the first time in my career I feel like I was like oh yeah I'm gonna show I'm gonna I'm gonna show them like I'm gonna go have I'm gonna have fun I like Marlene and we're gonna see like I want them to want to write for her and they did and that was such an honor that's such an honor yeah
0: are there any other experiences where you have gotten you have taken a character from an audition to set and you were like that was awesome because so often we hear about these quick little blimps and actors like, Oh, I did this movie. I did this movie. And I'm like, but what was the process? And for Mm -hmm. you, when you create a character, is it developing a backstory? Is it, and you know, how do you do that with three lines? Uh, I know it's a whole Warner uh, Laughlin technique in a nutshell. Well,
1: okay. So for a true detective, it Mm -hmm. was two scenes, two episodes. So it's not a lot. And, um, I remember I got the audition. So how I prepped it after I got it, like after I, uh, for me, all I did for that character, I did it, I auditioned for it once and then they sent back the tape and I went too big they they're like, it's HBO and please make like, we like what she's doing, but make it smaller, oh, smaller, that's awesome. smaller, got smaller, to redirect on a I got to redirect. They're like, we really like her as an actress, but, um. I went, I went off the rails on it. I made a strong
0: choice. Strong choice, guys. Well, True Detective hadn't been out yet. Yeah, so. no. Yeah, it
1: was first season, so I didn't know how far to go with Lucy. So then I got the redirect to be smaller and no makeup at all. Wow. And I forget what else they said. So that night I went to a sports bar and watched basketball and drank – Beer to get bloated. This is like intentional. I A- ate greasy, greasy food. Didn't uh, wash my hair. Put the, the grease, like <laughs> put the grease in it. I like literally put the grease in it. And the next morning, I watched Monster. And I don't know why the Charlize Theron. There was something about her character that made me think. I, need, I I needed to get inspiration. And when I was watching that, I was like, Oh, she needs to be saved. She needs to be saved. She needs to be saved. That's what. Like, and then I just went down this whole rabbit of creating life for her but I only that day I only locked before I auditioned all I had locked in is she needs to be saved and and I was very aware of where she was in the world how far out in the world she sees like she hasn't left a 5 mile radius that town so I just made very specific choices mm-hmm. Once I got it, I had six weeks before I shot those scenes. Wow. I know. It was so yummy.
0: <laughs> it was
1: so yummy. And I did dream work with Lucy. Mm-hmm. So I talked to my dreams and I asked them questions. More woo-woo. Oh, I and I put a notebook next to my table. And then in the morning, I get like certain hits. Um, I write out the dreams. I get the emotion from it. And I kind of work through it in the scene as Lucy And then I do imaginative work where I build out the memories that she has that have shaped her. So, I I mean, even now sitting with you, I can, like, I can see her mother's, like, dead toes. I can see the mustache of the man that, you know, violated her. I can see the belt buckle of, like, the tooth that she chipped. Like, I have sharp, like, flash. I have like, those are memories for Lucy. And, um... And then I got to set and I just prayed. I was like, please just let me be open and available. Please just let me be open and available. And to be locked in a room with Matthew McConaughey for 12 hours is, is amazing. It's amazing. I'm not, it's, it's absolutely amazing. It was just him and I. And to play, it's like I got to play ball. Like with a pro. And that is a feeling I've been chasing ever since. Like that's, and I've gotten to work with some wonderful, wonderful people. Mm -hmm. But he was tapped in. He had just come off Dallas Buyers Club. It was before, it was just starting to like get word. He was super skinny. He had changed his life, changed his career. And these were the projects that his career was riding on. So he was, he he was, it was on. It was so fun.
0: It was so fun that's incredible yeah. I love those stories it also gets me excited to like now I want to go back and watch that like watch mm-hmm. your scenes with them and see how it was um, if you could interview anyone if you could pick an actor tomorrow and interview them or if there is if it's a separate one if you could be on a set with someone does anybody come to mind
1: Amy Adams I want to be on set I want to work with her and Tom Hanks yeah Tom Hanks is, like, my number one get for the podcast. When I created the podcast, I was like, this is the music. When Tom hears it, I want him to say, oh, I'll do that podcast. Mm. He's my bucket. He's the reason, um, besides Annie, that I got into acting. I love that. <laughs> besides Annie, of course. Um, he's the reason I got into acting. I've ran out of rooms before to not meet him because I'm like – do not embarrass yourself. Do not embarrass yourself. Do not, I want to work with him someday. Do not say something stupid. Like I, my tactic is I would like to work with you first Mm -hmm. and then profess my love to you after we've had this, a wonderful, like after I've earned your respect as an actor, Uh then I would like to fangirl out on you. Um, like, cause Michelle, I almost met Michelle once and I literally left the room I was like, no, 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 no. I want to work with her someday. I can't, I can't, I can't talk to her right now. Oh, wow. So Tom, Tom and, um, yeah. Amy Adams, Julia so Roberts. Dreams. I mean,
0: come on. Ah, yes. yeah. I'm for yes. all of you getting right. all of these. I waited on Tom Hanks once. And isn't he? And I, he was lovely. He was lovely. His I, whole, I like, it was his whole family. <laughs> they were
1: all there. I just love them. I love, I just, I think he reminds me of like the dad I wanted. And also just like how he invests so much in escape. Like he lets you escape as an audience. Yeah. I want to work with somebody who makes you escape like that.
0: Mm. It's so funny because I do so many interviews and my podcast is very much based on uh, takeaways from like, you know, here's some acting business advice. Here's some little tips and this and that. And sometimes it's so nice to have a conversation like this about the creativity and the, And the fun, the reason we all got in, because I didn't get into this business because I really enjoy formatting a resume.
1: (laughs) Right? (laughs) Or getting nervous before an audition. Like, don't Mm -hmm. let the small stuff get in the way of like the big stuff. Like, like, I think we have to remind ourselves why we do it a lot. If you could don't quit.
0: (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) If you could tell uh, the actors listening now something that you wish you would have known, and it can be like us, the smallest thing or a concept that you wish you would have known when you started?
1: Mm -hmm. Know where you find your confidence from and be honest. It took me a long time. I think I didn't work for a long time because I was looking for validation and approval to be my confidence. Mm -hmm. And I hate to say it, but I think that's one. And why are you creating Know why you're creating and then create from that place. That's like, this is so ethereal and so like woo-woo, but I think those are really the things. And also, do your work, but know, like educate yourself on the business as well as, and then you won't take it also so personally and you'll realize, like I had this really cocky, I I guess I would say cocky, but like a moment like a couple days ago where I was like, oh, What if like all the times that I auditioned and I didn't get it, actually I I was really great and maybe I was one of the choices. Why do I choose to believe I didn't get it because I was, I sucked. (laughs) Like Mm. I do work. Like what if like, I just like change the lens through which I'm looking at this and be honored when I work. Um, That's the other thing too. Somebody told me this in therapy. I wish I would have known this 15 years ago. I like Julia Roberts. I love her. She does one or two movies a year. She only works one or two times a year. She has to fill her life all that other time. She's not like, Am I gonna work again? Oh my God, am I ever gonna work again? And I know this is like a skill set that you have once you've been working for a while, but if I invest it more in like, oh, I got one project this year. Oh great. I'm on the right track. I am working. They're like, and let me like figure out how to still make do I think I made everything so gloom and doom and I made everything like a rat race. Like, I have to have this by the time I'm 25 and I have to have this by the time I'm 30 or oh, I can't have a baby until I have a career. <laughs> right.
0: I, to talking to the girl who just got engaged and I was like, we can't get married. Yeah, I we can't be married. Hey, we, can't, we can't ever have a baby.
1: <laughs> no. No, have a baby, baby. Listen, mm. listen, it'll make your life better and I started working the most after I had her. Now, like, Let's. It took me a year mm-hmm. because I also was like, I literally tried to go back to work 10 days after having her because I was like, I need to make sure I go back to work. <sighs> I didn't like give my side, like my baby time, mm-hmm. you know, like literally I didn't get to have my time to just like nestle in because I was anxious. So I wish I would stop relying on living my life through my, by my career's standards or what I was expecting from my career.
0: Yeah. What you think it's supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was so great. Dude, we yeah. already hit an hour. Great. And that's really? it. yeah, That was amazing. That's it. Um, is there anywhere you want to direct people to, obviously, your podcast? Where else can
1: we Yay. Yeah, go to the podcast. Mm-hmm. That really one audition. Um, my website is com. so that lets you know when live shows are coming up. We're getting ready to do another one at the beginning of June um, here in Los Angeles, and I also do some live shows in New York, so I'm putting that up there. Yeah. And your doggy's going to come. He's
0: growling. He's really into he it. He's going to come.
1: Um, and, yeah, and on my website, too, I have, like, projects that are that are starting to roll, hopefully roll out at the end of this year sometime awesome. some movies and stuff.
0: You took some time off to make a documentary. Is that correct? I did. Yes. Yeah. I'm still making it. Cool. <laughs> Amazing.
1: Yeah. We shot for nine weeks in Israel. And that, I mean, going back just to go full circle, it, being tapped in and being spiritual is the only way I was able to do that. I, I literally just opened portal, shot a camera at a subject that is a really beautiful person to me as an artist. I, I studied, I documented, I interviewed my greatest guests so far. Mm-hmm. So that was really amazing. And, and the way that my husband was raised, he was raised in a kibbutz, that to me is really a foreign idea. And I think that might be where we're heading. So I would like to be able to show life into how this community li- lives and sustains themselves because i do think that we need to get back to that so hopefully <laughs> i'll have some time to edit it in the near future <laughs> um, lots of free time what what are, are you talking, talking about? because i have all the free time talk about budgeting yes <laughs> budgeting i'm your time. budgeting an editor into my schedule for mm. for that yes mm-hmm. So hopefully, but they say they take like three to five years to make a documentary and I believe it now. I
0: totally get it. (laughs) That's crazy. Well, thank you so much for your time. This was awesome. Thanks for having me. So excited to finally meet you. Um, all right guys, I will talk to you in just a bit. And that brings us to the end of today's podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Alicia, for your time. You are a dream. If you guys have not downloaded that one audition's podcast feed yet or subscribe to it, go enjoy it. If you enjoy this podcast, you will love that one. I always say if this podcast is a shot of whiskey, hers is a cup of chai tea. She is lovely. You will love it. Guys, thank you so much for listening. As always, thank you to Maggie Zabo for our beautiful theme song. Thank you to Laurel Canyon Creative for making this podcast happen. Also, if you guys don't follow at One Broke Actress on Instagram, make sure to check that out because there is some really awesome stuff going on. Thanks to Laurel Canyon Creative on that podcast feed and potentially with the website in the near future. Hint, hint. And that wraps us up, so I will talk to you guys next week.